Today's episode of 1% Better is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting, all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help in this brave new remote working world. Find us on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen at gotomeeting.com slash tips. That's gotomeeting.com slash tips. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it. Get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hey, Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer. Welcome back. It's another episode of 1% Better, your, I hope, favorite Colts podcast from The Athletic. Uh, Zach's here. Uh, I'm here. We're sequestered. We're quarantined. We're doing what we do. Uh, but we've been busy, so you have that going for you, so, which means you have something to read. Zach, this is this is cool. We got a, we got a little different setup this week. We've got a special guest, and uh, let's just go ahead and, and dive in and introduce him. We have with us the Athletics Draft Analyst, Dane Brugler. And Dane, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. It's uh, hard to believe we're, we're exactly two weeks out from the draft already. Yeah. Uh, so... Tell me this. Uh, let's just dive in here. I, I think our listeners, uh, we we all think we know what the Colts are going to do, and of course, none of us know. Uh, but <laughs> but we we do have some sense that wide receiver is something of a priority for them. Uh, they have. I, I wrote a story this morning, actually, or posted a story this morning uh, that outlined the fact that the Colts in the past decade have drafted seven receivers, only one in the first round, and that was Philip Dorsett, who they I traded. Mean, I've covered the team, and that was still stunning. I mean, how I bad know. they've been since they drafted. And, and let's not write off Paris Campbell, but I think the need is there. I think it's very obvious. They need to go get a receiver, and maybe yeah. early in this draft. Yeah. So, so with that being said, Dane, I'm wondering if you could kind of give us uh, a sense of, on a couple of things here. Um, I think the one thing that they, they still, or maybe most need is, is sort of a big bodied outside guy. They've got T.Y. Hilton. He's still, I think, near the top of his game, even at 30 years old. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of guys maybe in that mold, uh, that, that sort of bigger outside target, uh, that they can, they can look at in this draft. I mean, who are some of the guys in that second and third round range who fit that profile that you particularly like? Well, if you're going to need a receiver, uh, this is the draft to to have that need. Uh, you know, we've we've been talking about it since the summer. How this has a chance to be an historic class of pass catchers, uh, and it, the the great part about it is it's not just the first round or the second round. I mean, it's it, there's no drop off. There's first round quality guys, second round, third round, and it continues throughout the draft. Um, you know, when it comes to the Colts, and I've actually got a seven round mock draft coming out um, later this week, so I hope people check it out and. Uh, Looking at their wide receiver needs and looking at you know two picks in the second, one pick in the third, trying to figure out the best spot where they could go receiver. I keep coming back to one name that I think just makes perfect sense for them, and that's Michael Pittman uh, at a USC, uh, 6'4", 225, 
four five two in the forty, uh, under seven seconds in the three cone. So for a, a big bodied guy, he he really uh, tested well in terms of the short area stuff, the change of direction, and but that's how he plays. He's a power forward on the football field, and he has the uh, the hands where he's going to just swallow the football, win contested catches. He had one hundred and forty targets this year, only two drops. And what you like about him, and why I think that he's going to match up really well with what Chris Ballard looks for and his staff, uh, the intangibles, the character, uh, he's a team captain, uh, big time special teams guy. And I, you know, I don't know if, if you're in a draft in top 50, I don't know if you want him playing a ton of special teams uh, coverages and, but he had a blocked punt in college, you know, a ton of tackles. Uh, he was a special teams player of the year uh, as a sophomore, I think. So, you know, football uh, through and through his dad, obviously being in the pros, uh, Michael Pittman, uh, winning the Super Bowl with the Bucks, what, 15, 16 years ago? You know, he understands what it takes to be a professional. And so there's just, there's so much to like about Pittman and how he projects to uh, a team like the Colts that you kind of set it up that they're, they need that big outside receiver who can win jump balls, who can win vertically, track the ball well, can uh, win in contested situations, but can also separate a little bit. So I, I think Michael Pittman checks a lot of those boxes for what they could be looking for. Um, and when you're looking at they're pick 30, 34 and 44, I, th- I think that, you know, it's a little bit of a gamble if they want to wait until 44 to get him. I think he's going to go somewhere top 50, but you know, this, the great thing about this receiver class is there's plenty of options. So even if you miss out on a Pittman, you know, it's where's T Higgins going to go from Clemson. You know, he's a little bit different. He's not, uh, he's not as physically impressive, I would say, in terms of winning the catch point, but ridiculous wingspan. Uh, you know, he can play above the rim with his leaping skills. And I think there's a lot to like about him as a, as a downfield target. Doesn't bring that that power forward mentality that I mentioned with uh, Michael Pittman, but T Higgins could also be in that mix as, as well. If they're looking for that big bodied receiver who can win matchups um, and just win at different levels of the field. Dane, you've got Pittman as your ninth receiver. You think nine or 10 receivers go in the top 50. This class is that stacked at that position. Yeah, it really is. And uh, I mean, let's just break it down. And in the first round, you know, we're going to see the top three come off pretty quickly with Lamb, Judy and Ruggs uh, somewhere in the top 15, 16 picks, probably. And then I think Justin Jefferson gets in there. Brandon Ayuk, a lot of teams uh, really think he's going in the first. And then Denzel Mims from Baylor. You know, I, I think maybe one of those two guys, Ayuk or Mims, could slip to that pick number 34 uh, for the Colts. But I, I think there's also a very good chance they end up in the first. Mims has just knocked it out of the park, this pre-draft process from the Senior Bowl to the Combine. Yeah, he's been one of the uh, most sought-after guys when it comes to all these FaceTime calls and interviews that teams are conducting right now. So a uh, good chance he lands somewhere uh, in the late first. And then once you get to the second round, then things get really interesting in terms of the order these guys are going to come off the board. Michael Pittman, LaVisca Chenault from Colorado. I think if he were fully healthy and you know durability wasn't a factor, Chenault would be a first round player because he has that type of talent. But that could end up, you know, with that discount sticker on him, could end up being a steal for a team in the second round, uh, possibly the Colts. I think that would make some sense with him as long as you're comfortable with the durability and you think he's going to stay healthy. Um, and then we look at some of these smaller receivers, Jalen Rager from TCU, KJ Hamler from Penn State. Um, and then it stretches even into the third round. Guys like Chase Claypool from Notre Dame. Um, I think Brian Edwards from South Carolina is being slept on because 
kind of out of sight, out of mind. Uh, he missed the senior bowl, working his way back from a minor knee issue, and then he broke his foot in preparation for the combine. So two injuries, but two relatively minor injuries uh, compared to some other stuff out there. So, you know, for these guys, they might slip to the third round and be terrific value when in most drafts they're going in the second. Good stuff. Um, I, have, I have a question about quarterbacks because, I mean, that's – you know, we love talking about wide receivers and quarterbacks because offense sells, right? So we'll do that um, because we're selling. So the Colts, obviously, you know the situation. They've signed Phillip Rivers. Uh, Jacoby Brissett's in the final year of his deal. Uh, Phillip's on a one-year deal as well. So we don't know what the future holds. Uh, we also know they don't have a first-round pick. So I, I, I kind of feel like they're not going to solve their problem in this draft, <laughs> which is fine. But but if you're if you're a team in that position – and you're looking at this draft class and, and what could be available for the Colts. Uh, just how do you approach it? How would you approach it if you were a GM? And, and what do you think? Are there some matches there that you see? Uh, you know, I really do like the Jordan Love uh, Indianapolis uh, connection. Um, it just it's going to be interesting. I don't this quarterback class is just it's so fascinating. And especially when you factor in the Colts no longer picking in the top 15. Tampa Bay, they're not going quarterback at 14. You know, they're they're all in on Tom Brady the next year right. or two. They're going to try and win it right now. So they're not they're not thinking about quarterback in the future. Would the Patriots go uh quarterback in the first? I I doubt it. I think they're going to give Jarrett Stidham a chance. There's just not many landing spots for these quarterbacks. And I don't think we're talking enough about how Tua, his medicals are are not good and how that could potentially oh, – really? we're not talking enough about it. I mean it, teams hmm. are cautiously optimistic about it, but I haven't heard one team say, yeah, we're we're good. Thumbs up. Like, yeah, we, we're not worried about it. I mean the teams are really concerned uh, about for, for the medicals at the combine and then just long-term durability, him being able to take care of his body on the field. That is a real concern that's not being talked about enough. All it takes is one team. You know, the Chargers could be, you know, I, I don't know how the Chargers feel about them. And they could say, we're, we're in and take up number six. And that, that's all she wrote. But if he gets past those top six picks, it's anybody's guess. And that's when things really get interesting. But, you know, I think it'll be Jordan loves the one I keep keep looking at because, you know, there's not a natural landing spot in the top 20 picks for him. Uh, that just looks like an obvious fit. And so if he's available 26, 27, 28, do the Colts make a move from 34 up to the late first? You, I could see you, them doing that. You, and you get that fifth-year option. Um, you Because know, he you, doesn't need to play right now. It, right, exactly. And he's going to a situation where he, he's not going to be pressed into action. And, you know, you can bring him along at his own pace. And so that that would make sense. Um, you know, and just I guess the thing that's missing is we don't know how exactly they feel about Jordan Love. Uh, you know, I, I know for a fact that they've done plenty of homework on him, uh, that there's no question about that. But would do they feel strongly enough about him that they would make that move? I think that's certainly one of the options on the table. If if they don't and they want to wait until day two to maybe take a flyer on one of these guys, Jacob Eason, uh, Jake Fromm, Jalen Hurts, uh, you know, you can poke holes in each one of those guys. But uh, I think they're they're interesting players. With you know Jacob Easton and Jake Fromm are so interesting because former teammates at Georgia and they're just complete opposites in, in every way possible on the field, off the field. Uh, Easton's got a few minor character stuff. Enjoyed the the college life a little too much, but he's <laughs> your six six two thirty uh, strong arm passer. He's he's a bigger, slower Matthew Stafford is who he is. Jake Fromm is 
you know, much smaller than that. He doesn't have that big time arm. He's your more rhythm timing passer. Uh, you know, he needs to go to an offense where there's some West Coast principles and, uh, you know, kind of, uh, but the intangibles, that's, that's what's going to blow teams away with, with Fromm. Um, you know, coaches getting him on the whiteboard, uh, talking X's and O's and going over some of those things. That's what's really going to impress teams. So, and then Jalen Hurts, you love the intangibles with him. Um, you know, he, he's a guy you just want in your quarterback room. Um, just I really worry about him, passing anticipation, uh, reading defenses. You know, even in the Big 12, you know, he's just, when you're watching the tape, the windows are there, but he's just seeing them so late. And in the NFL, where everything's just so much faster, I just, I, I really think he's going to struggle uh, to, you know, develop himself as a as a true starter and so this quarterback class is going to be a lot of fun to see how it plays out because there's so many different options so many different ways that it could play out it's gonna be fun let me ask you this before we let you go um we've seen jordan loves tape and and i watched him at the the combine and we've all seen how easy he makes it look i mean the arm is there it's such a fluid motion why is there so much range with where he could land in this draft. Is it, is it the interceptions, the 17 he threw last year? Is it just that he's not polished enough right now? Yeah. Jordan Love is a great, uh, I think test case for excuses versus reason. When you look at his 2019 season, he's, he has a new coaching staff, only one returning starter on offense. Uh, he's the only future NFL guy. Um, you know, there's just, there's a lot of reasons why, you know, he struggled to match his numbers from his, his sophomore year, but are those reasons or are those excuses? And hmm. because when you look at it, the, the talent, like you said, it's there, there's no question. Uh, you know, you can't help but see those, those Pat Mahomes, uh, style because he has the arm. He's very loose as a passer. He can move around. He can anticipate down the field. Uh, he's confident. He's not afraid to take chances. And that's part of why he had the, the 17 interceptions. I just think it'd be fascinating if you flip his 2018 season and his 2019 season. Uh, how would we be talking about Jordan? Love? Oh, he'd be so, a top ten guy if he had that it, season exactly. this year. It, exactly, 32 to six touchdown interception ratio with that arm. The, oh, for sure, right. right? Instead of the 20 to 17. So you know, it's uh, he's just such an interesting player because there there are teams that, or I shouldn't say teams, I should scouts. There are scouts who think he's the second best quarterback in this class. Uh, behind only Joe Burrow. Now it's up to the owner and general manager to, you know, pull the trigger and actually you know, draft him that high. So it's, there's just a lot of differing opinions and different teams have different appetites for risk. And so it's, it's really interesting. Well, that's great stuff, Dana. That's exactly why we asked you to come on. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see how it plays out. The Colts, uh, under Chris Ballard, who you know well, they have, They've, they've had a really interesting uh, past three drafts uh, with a lot of success as well. So um, really looking forward to it, man. Hey, hey thanks for, for coming on, Dane. Uh, you've been busy, man. <laughs> if you guys, by the way, if you haven't uh, seen Dane's draft guide, uh, get you know, carve out like seven hours and, uh, <laughs> and sit down and snuggle up with it. <laughs> it's it's unbelievable. Perfect, perfect for the quarantine. You know, just uh, yeah. keep yourself busy and you'll, you'll be an expert on the draft by the time you're done with it. That's the idea. So, hey, man, thanks a lot. Uh, I will definitely be using it as a resource because uh, you know a lot more than I do. Uh, Hey, hope to catch up with you again, Dane. Thanks for joining us. Definitely. Thanks, guys. So, uh, if you're not excited about the draft after that, then I don't know what to tell you. Uh, Dane's awesome, as as you can tell. Um, He is thorough. He's connected. He knows tons of scouts. Uh, He gets information from those scouts. And so, the... Uh, the opinions you're getting here are informed opinions 
and they're coming from the people who are actually doing the work. So um, I didn't know this until a minute ago, but Dane mm-hmm. was offered a job by Chris Ballard back in Kansas City in about 2015. Cool. So, I mean, <laughs> this was a guy who was going to work in a front office. And if you read this draft guide, it's called The Beast. It's very, very thorough. You will um, you'll know why. I mean, this guy, it's every, every, every player and it's every avenue um, of these draft prospects. I mean, it's, it's, it's such a good cheat sheet for the draft. And so I'm going to be using it like crazy the next couple of weeks. And, um, yeah. it's going to help a lot in terms of finding out who these guys are. Uh, I believe it's Colts, 200 and, I believe it's 246 pages or something, you know, in a PDF form. So that's ridiculous. So like, uh, basically it's like a, a new Testament or something. Um, <laughs> so, a couple couple takeaways. Um, a lot of great stuff in there. Uh, for me, I thought the interesting thing. There were a lot of interesting things, but one particularly interesting thing was the the Michael Pittman highlight. I thought, yeah, was I saw him at the Senior Bowl, and I got to tell you, I I didn't put him in my, in my mock draft, but I really liked him, and I, I just thought, I just wondered maybe if athletically he was a little subpar, but. You know, as Dane pointed out, I mean, he tested pretty well. He showed the speed. He showed the athleticism. I thought, you know, through the combine, I was actually struck by that when I saw it. And this guy is huge. He's six four. Uh, yeah. He is. He he looks like he could play tight end. I think he's like two hundred and twenty two pounds or something. Like two twenty three. Like Dane said, he's a power forward out there. Yeah, and I love that you, description. If you draw up what you want the Colts to go do at receiver. That's what that's what's coming to mind for me, at least. I don't know about you, but and I don't know about Chris Ballard, and, and he'll decide. But look, this is what you went out and paid Devin Funches for last year. You paid him seven million dollars, and without the injury, he might have been that outside big bodied threat that you never had, or that you haven't had in a long time. And Dante Macri filled that role a little bit. And you got into this your story today about just why they can't draft a receiver besides to help T. Y. Hilton over the long term. Um, I feel like Pittman is is a guy that could fit based on what Dane said, based on his measurables. And look, they're not going to get Lamb. They're not going to get Judy. They're not going to get Rook. So you look at that second sector of receivers. He's got Pittman ranked ninth. That could be a fit for the Colts. Yeah, and I mean, he he could even be there at 44. You don't know. Um, obviously, you'd have to kind of see how it plays out. But I mean, they got options. And that's the, the big thing is options. Look, I put T. Higgins in my mock draft last week. But, you know, take it all with a grain of salt. Um, you, we learn more each day and our opinions change from time to time. But but I think, you know, he did highlight T. Higgins there. Uh, th- but, but Michael Pittman is different in terms of, not in terms of length. They're both long guys who have, you know, sort of who sort of play uh, yeah, they're very size. similar in measurables and speed. Right. But the difference is the physicality, I think. Certainly that is a different uh, aspect that you get with Michael Pittman that T. Higgins does not have. T. Higgins is more of a, an explosive guy, I think, uh, more so than Pittman. So that that's interesting. I I think that um, the, the great thing about it is you want the draft to line up with your needs. <laughs> and Boy, really did the Colts hit the year. jackpot with that. Yeah. Well – let, I mean, let's let's just talk about wide receiver for a little bit, and we'll get into some of what Dane said about the quarterbacks here too, because I think that was really interesting. But but when you when you think about or this exercise I did yesterday, the last couple of days, you know, just looking back at what the Colts have done at wide receiver for the past ten drafts. First of all, as you said, I I did the search and I was like, wait a minute, seven? I, I had to do something wrong. I could I not. I looked at your chart and your story. <laughs> I could not believe that was the entire list. <laughs> I, I was like. I gotta be missing somebody, right? And well, I think they, what it they is, signed a couple. You know, they signed 
Andre Johnson, and and they found guys, uh, you know, like Zach Pascal, who they didn't draft, but he's also a great player, so they should they should deserve credit for that. Yeah, both of those things are are a big factor why they uh, they only had seven picks because they did sign you know Darius Hayward Bay and Hakeem Nicks and Andre Johnson and Hakeem Devin Nicks. Funches and remember that yeah <laughs> and uh, and they did find gems like. Zach Pascal on waivers from Tennessee, and even Chester Rogers, who look say what you want, but I mean the guy, he played a lot of games for this team and he caught yeah. a lot of balls in a lot of big games. The Colts. I mean that's yeah. you know for a waiver claim that's not bad by any stretch of the imagination. Right. So so they, they get credit for that, and and even hell they've had guys like Griff Whalen catch passes in playoff games. Okay. So don't forget about the Griffer. <laughs> the Griffer. Never forget about the Griffer. And if you don't know that joke, then you have not been with us for long enough so you'll have to figure that out on your own that's an andrew Locke original right there it really is uh so anyhow i I just think that a couple of things number one they haven't tried that hard okay let's start with that yeah and then when they have tried they've only invested one first round pick in a wide receiver so philip dorsett uh, talking about philip dorsett right you're talking about a second round pick in Paris Campbell, who obviously the jury's out on, but I, I have high hopes for. Uh, but the rest of them, you know, for the most part, you're talking about third round and later, including T.Y. Hilton. Okay. So, yeah. I, I just think that, what does that say? Do, do you think, I had someone ask me this, and let me ask you if you agree with this. Is that a product of Peyton Manning slash Andrew Luck and, and always knowing that, all right, our quarterback will, We'll get the most out of our guys. That's no longer true, obviously, because Andrew Luck's not here. But my point is, right. for the most part, uh, in the past decade, he was. And before that, the very beginning, when Bill Polian at his at the end of his tenure did not draft any wide receivers, they had Peyton Manning at quarterback, right? right? So how much of that do you think was the quarterback? Do you think that was a factor in sort of influencing those decisions? I do, and I think that's a really good point because this is the first draft post-elite quarterback right for this team going back 20 years um and i do think you you don't go all in on wide receiver with an elite quarterback cuz you believe that quarterback will make players better chester rogers is a perfect example andrew luck made him better than probably most quarterbacks would have um and i think this is this is this is a new era in that regard and i wrote this early in the off season they need to help the quarterback whoever the quarterback is we know now that it's going to be philip rivers but they need to do more to help the quarterback than they would have previously with an elite quarterback, right? They need to get this young receiver to help Phillip Rivers, period. I think they need some help at tight end as well. Um, and, and this is, you know, this is something I threw out to one of the members of the personnel staff back in like late November. I was like, I don't need you to tell me what your needs are. I know what your needs are and you need a, you need a receiver. You need playmakers. And this person basically just nodded in agreement. It was obvious. Everyone out there listening knows what happened in December. They didn't have anybody to go to at receiver besides the, the struggles that Jacoby had at quarterback, but it was obvious there were no game breaking talents. They really, really miss Paris Campbell, who had four separate injuries, probably the worst luck of any rookie and I can remember. TY wasn't himself. He was in and out of the lineup with that injury. So it's really obvious. Your your quarterback's going to be 38 years old. He's not going to be able to move at all. You're going to need receivers and you're going to get them the ball quickly. So you need talent receiver. I really always thought all along that the the matches and free agency weren't going to be what the Colts wanted. I didn't think that was the answer. I thought they agreed. The last couple months have shown that, that, that they didn't go out and sign a receiver in free agency. 
I think the draft, as loaded as it is at the position, is the answer. And to go back to your original point, this is absolutely the time. Um, you need to load up at receiver. You need to get better at that position. It's You're no longer in a spot where the quarterback can make C players into B players with the T.Y. Hilton as well. You need to start drafting some A players, and I think this is absolutely in play for them at 34 and 44. Um, hey, one fun fact that I just have to share. I tweeted this earlier, but it, a lot of times, and Zach knows this, you know, we'll spend hours looking at numbers and just, you know, running different scenarios. Okay. What, you know, comparing all that stuff, right? That's just part of the job. It's what we do. That's part of reporting. And one fun fact I found yesterday, we did, we did talk about Deion Kane because he was a six round pick last year. It doesn't matter. He's not here. But, uh, the point is Deion Kane, I was like, man, did they give up too early on Deion Kane? And, we could argue that maybe they did. Maybe one day he will prove that to be the case. But I, I wanted to give it some context. This dude played 228 snaps last season. <laughs> he got yep. four balls. Four yep. out of 14 I remember targets. Writing that. Remember in early November, and it was kind of like, uh, where's he been? Like, he yeah. was on the field. He was playing. It was like taking up space. And then he had a drop, I think, late. And, and basically, that's what the team decided. The team was like, look, we like your talent, but at some point, you have to produce. And that was a disappointing end for that guy because you remember how good he was in camp in 18 and, and yeah. that terrible injury in the first preseason game. Pretty good camp this year. Not great, but not terrible, but just didn't produce on the field. Um, and they had to move on from a guy who they thought had a pretty good, pretty high ceiling. Yeah. And the moral of that story, though, for us, and we've said this before, is uh, I no longer care what any receiver does in training camp because we've been again. bitten by this before. Okay, Never again. Okay, I give you Andre Johnson. Okay, one of the best training you, camps I've ever seen. <laughs> okay. I give you Deron Carter. Deron Carter. <laughs> this guy was like Michael Jordan half the time in practice, <laughs> and then he, he literally he got in the like game. three to four touchdowns on yeah. a, on a given day at training he camp. He game preseason game. Okay, not even a regular season game. He get in a preseason game and fall apart, <laughs> totally fall apart. So, yeah. Anyhow, I just thought. Uh, I just, I don't know. I'm kind of random, so that's what I do anyway. Uh, hey, what about the stuff Dane said about quarterback? I, I really thought that was uh, really interesting in many cases. Um, first it was of all, good to hear. Yeah, Jordan he, he kind of he, he kind of threw some water on some of the guys, you know, like the Tua mm-hmm. thing. He's hearing yeah. from people, from agents, from coaches, from scouts saying, we're just not sure about him. That's a mm-hmm. huge wild card. And then the Jordan Love discussion, which I thought was really fascinating as well because – you know, Jordan Love for the longest time has been linked to the Colts for obvious reasons. Yeah. So what I think was interesting about Jordan Love is Dane is absolutely right. There is uh there there are not as many landing spots for quarterbacks. There's no question about it. Um obviously the Tua thing may end up being fortuitous for for Jordan if it if it really manifests itself and teams are really concerned, you know, we don't know. But potentially that could benefit him. But if it, but if Tua goes pretty high, like we think, uh, you know, you still still have Justin Herbert in there. Uh, Jordan Love, man, if he falls, I will tell you this: if you're if you're Chris Ballard, you got to be hoping and praying for that. And and I don't really know how he feels about Jordan Love. The hype is the hype, and and that doesn't matter. Right. How he really feels, he's not going to tell us, right? We'll know. One, he'll tell us one day when it's all over. But yeah, but it, let's say they love him. Let's say that they really love him. You got to hope and pray he gets to the late 20s because 
you have to think about that move. I know it's a lot to ask to give up those two second rounders because they're not so if it's valuable. Right, though. Not if but, he's the man. guy. That's nothing to ask. No one cares what the Chiefs paid to get up a couple spots and, and draft Mahomes 10th. I'm not saying he's Mahomes, but if this position, if this is the guy and if this is right, this is the time to go do it because he doesn't need to play this year. He's got a great offensive line he'll be able to play for, you know, for a long time, ideally. He's got a great, I can't, I can't underestimate how important it is to have Frank Reich. Frank Reich with a young quarterback, that is vital. It's, it's very similar to Andy Reid in Kansas City. Um, and, and he would have a 38 year old quarterback, Philip Rivers, to mentor him, um, who's played in the league for 16 years. If, now this is a huge if, if he has checked all the Colts boxes and we know there's a lot of them and they're going through them, but I, I totally agree with you. If he's there at 20, 22, 25, I don't know if the Patriots draft a quarterback. They're in that range. Dane said he doesn't think they do in the first round. I think it's absolutely a conversation you have to have, and it's a it's a conversation you have before the draft. That way you're ready to go. It's going to be more difficult this year, probably less trades with the virtual draft and all the logistical steps they're going to have to cross. But uh, this could be such a good landing spot for Jordan Love. If, if, they, if they really think that – and this is one interesting thing Dane said was – are they excuses or are they reasons? You know what I mean? Like the the interceptions and then the, well, he didn't have any other pro players on his team, new head coach. I Man, the one thing I can't get out of my mind is, the, is how easy he throws the football. And if everything is up there, I mean, if he's able to process defenses quickly and if he checks all your boxes in terms of aptitude, this would be a hard guy not to move up and get if you're the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, I mean, he's appealing, man. I thought Dane's point about... If you flipped his his past two seasons and 2018 were his 2019 season, there's no question. This guy would be a top five or ten pick, no question about it. And so I, I think the, the reason that he's not a shoe-in is because the 2019 performance raised questions. So now you're confronting those questions if you're a team out there. But but there's no question. Uh, there's the, the type of stuff you want to see from an NFL quarterback. He's done it. It's on tape, and you can watch it. Uh, and so it's just a matter of – how you reconcile all that. But um, I, I will say this, if they come out of this draft, and I don't think it's going to happen, I think it's a long shot, but if they came out of this draft, or this offseason, rather, with DeForest Buckner, <laughs> Philip Rivers, and Jordan Love, <laughs> I mean, my Jeez. God. <laughs> you, don't, like, you don't win games in March? But we might have to change that statement. That's what Ballard always says, right? You don't win games in March? You might win him in April. You know what I mean? Yeah. If he comes out with his quarterback of the present, his quarterback of the future, and oh, you know, maybe the that's best defensive double. tackle this team's had in thirty years. Yeah, that's a hell of an off season. Well, I think the the biggest the biggest issue right now is that they have they have resolved their quarterback situation for the present, and right. they just haven't done anything about it for the future. So if they're able to do both, that would just be unbelievable. Because I don't think a second round pick necessarily checks that box. I think at that point you're it's still a huge you're, you're taking a shot. Yeah. Right. Right. You're and and the shot. guy they've they've thrown out I've heard a lot in that realm is Jalen Hurts. And and to be honest, I was never overly impressed with him in college. And Dane really hit on the points I thought and he said it much better than I could. Look, the anticipation wasn't there. He wasn't reading the defenses. It it just seemed like at Alabama it was really easy. You know, he handed the ball off a lot. And whenever he hit a guy down the field, the guy was usually wide open. Um, a little bit of the same at Oklahoma. I just, I've never been sold on him. If I'm wrong, I will eat my words, but I just didn't think 
I never thought to myself, that's a pro quarterback right there. Like Dane said, all the windows shrink. The timing is, is much more important in the league. Anticipation, all that. I never looked at myself and said, that's a Sunday quarterback. That's an NFL guy. We'll see. But he's definitely going to be a guy that's probably in the conversation. Dane's got him at a third or fourth round pick. Um, Jake Fromm, Jacob Eason also in there as well. But um, I think you're right. If you, if you go with one of those guys, second or third round, there's a much, much bigger question mark over whether he's the answer long term. I'm a little partial to Eason, but I mean, I don't love any of these guys, but I would say this about Hurts. I, I agree with Dane. I really like Hurts just as a, a football player, right? I mean, he's fun. Uh, he's creative. He can do all those things. But I, I think you're right. Look, last season, if you were critical of Jacoby Brissett, uh, one of the things that Jacoby could not do, or, or at least would not do, was make throws in tight windows. That was one of the biggest failings that he had, right? So if you were if you were on board with that criticism and you're one of the people leveling that criticism, well, you're going to get the same thing with Jalen Hurts, most likely, okay? Because the difference, though, I will say at least, is when he when he hesitates to make that tight window throw, he can make plays with his legs, and that's where he will at least have an edge that, that Jacoby Brissett did not. But at the same time, I mean, that's not why uh, – they're not asking quarterbacks in the NFL today with few exceptions. Lamar Jackson is just on another – in another galaxy, right? Uh, they're not asked. They don't want players or quarterbacks exposing themselves like that. So he can't do it at the same rate that he did in college. So, and by the way, Lamar Jackson, uh, the guy will stand in the pocket and throw the ball all day long if he has to. Okay. He's done it. So, so I, I don't think this is a Lamar Jackson situation. I think comparing Jalen Hurst to Lamar Jackson is just, I don't think that's fair to Lamar Jackson, no. to be honest with you. And I asked, I remember this is the one thing I always go back to in these quarterback evaluations. Everyone has an opinion, right? I asked Bruce Arians a couple years ago, and I thought he'd be as good of an opinion as any. And he was as blunt as anyone I've ever heard. He said, look, it's two things. When you're looking at quarterbacks, it's two things. is Can they throw into tight windows? And can they process fast? And he said, Andrew, Andrew Luck processed the defense as fast as any rookie he'd ever been around. That's the biggest step up in this game. All the DBs, they all say, look, the windows are just tighter. The quarterbacks are much more accurate, and they process things so much faster. Those are the two knocks on Jalen Hurts, according to Dane. He can't throw into those tight windows. He's not anticipating as well, and he's not processing things as fast. That's that's my hesitation. You know, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But um, I think that's what the Colts are going to look at. Can they, can they find a guy that can make those tight throws? And can they find a guy that's going to, at least mentally, be up for the challenge? It's going to be Frank Strike's offense because there's there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, I do just want to throw this out there. I like what, what Dane said about Jacob Eason. He said, a bigger, slower Matt Stafford. So I, I think it's kind of a backhanded compliment, but – but it's not a. It's it's certainly not a criticism. I Matthew think so. Stafford is probably the most underrated quarterback of the last five or six years. I mean, he's, yeah. his he's unbelievable. His numbers are incredible. He just played yeah. in a for a mostly crappy team. You know, the one thing I'd say is that look, Frank Reich. Uh, if you look at who his quarterback is now, okay, Philip Rivers, it's not a mobile guy whatsoever. Okay, so right. I don't think the lack of mobility in the quarterback is that much of a problem for him because he just moved heaven and earth to get Philip Rivers. So I think no. certainly Philip has has other qualities that are that are off the charts. And would we hear about uh, out, about Rivers' still, mobility? It was uh, well, he could never run anyway, so that wasn't an issue. So they're not worried about him not being able to run exactly. now because he was never going to be able to run even when he was thirty or twenty five. So clearly, yeah. like you said, I, I think this is where Naheem Hines comes in and guys like that and Marlon Mack. I think you're going to see a lot more of that 
you're going to see the ball come out quicker, and, and that's going to take the load off Rivers because he can't move at all. Yeah, he's not keeping any defensive coordinators up at night with his mobility. So just, No, uh, and that's going to be a change because Brissett could make things happen sometimes, and Luck was such a threat with his legs. So they're going back to the Manning dames in terms of the quarterback being a statue in the pocket. No question. And and at least with Brissett, look, he – he runs like a you know a five one forty or something. So I mean the guy ain't fast, but <laughs> deceptively slow, according to a unnamed Colts beat writer. <laughs> That's a great quote. I wish we could attribute it. But anyhow, uh, look, he's not a fast guy, but he was he certainly was elusive in the pocket and and had a good sense of where the pressure was coming from and eluded that pressure. Uh, Philip Rivers can do that in a different way. He he doesn't do it with his legs. He does it in terms of feeling the pressure and getting rid of the ball. So. They're they're very very different that way. That's as you just outlined. That's what Peyton did, right? So um, he wasn't going to try to sidestep the pressure. He was just going to throw the damn ball, and, yeah. or at best step up in the pocket and throw it. So it will be different. And but I but I just think it's interesting uh, to look at what the Colts have embraced and to see what's out there and try to match it up. So you know we'll see. So all right, I guess uh, hopefully you learned something about uh, the draft today. I did. I think you I did as that. well. Dane was yeah. great. I wish we could do that every week leading up to the draft. But I yeah, know he's I mean, a busy man these every, days. We could go through every position with him and, and do the same thing for the next you know three weeks. Uh, but anyhow, if you, as I said earlier, if you haven't seen the draft guide, if you're a subscriber to The Athletic, you get access to it. So uh, find it on our site and just take it all in. It's got, uh, he, he goes through every position. He ranks, in some cases, the top 50 guys at, at a single position. I mean, it's it's absolutely comprehensive and gives you background on every single guy on a scouting report on, on those guys as well. So um, it's tremendous. So I, I will be using it as my primary resource. Trust me. And uh, if you're not a subscriber, you you want to do that now because we've got a 90-day free trial opportunity for you. Uh, there's a pandemic, but there's still plenty of stories on our site. And uh, I've, I don't know. We have been uh, Zach and I have been really busy. <laughs> I, I'm pr- kind of surprised, yeah. um, but I feel like I need a vacation in the middle of a pandemic, which is strange. It's, but it's it's weird. It, it, the NFL hasn't slowed down, and it's not yeah. going to slow down in the next couple of weeks because the draft is going to come, and it's going to be different. But there's still going to be a, a couple of new Colts, and um, whether we have OTAs or not remains to be seen. But um, yeah. the NFL has definitely kept us busy the last couple of weeks. That's for sure. Yeah. So anyhow, we both have stories we're working on that I think we're both excited about. So uh, stay tuned for that. And again, thank you for listening. We always appreciate it. And uh, hey, stay safe out there and hang in there. We're all in this together. And we'll be here for you uh, through the draft and beyond. Thanks for listening. This is 1% Network.